Hey everybody, this is Pastor Luke McDonald and this is the Good News in the Neighborhood podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You're gonna find two things in this feed. In this season, you're gonna find Sunday sermons from our church in Palatine, Illinois. And you're gonna find an occasional little piece of content that is towards our initiative to try to help our church read the Bible more regularly. It's called Good With Our Bibles. We're trying to read the Bible regularly and we're trying to interpret it accurately. And that's what you're gonna find in this feed. We are a multi-ethnic Bible teaching life-giving church. This is our little theme song that you're hearing in the background. And uh, it helps us, anything you do, rating the podcast, sharing it, all that stuff helps the word get out. We're not trying to build the name of a church. We're trying to build the name of Jesus in our little local community. And if you found this, I hope it's useful to you. Thank you. Let's listen now. You ever have one of those days uh, or weeks or, you know, like where it just kind of feels like things aren't really going your way? You ever have, yeah, you ever have one of those? Yeah, like yesterday morning, I woke up early and uh, I, I walked to the coffee shop, which is like my favorite. I was walking in the morning and then I, it was kind of cold yesterday morning. So I was wearing like a sweatshirt with a jacket over top of it. And I had like uh, tripped and dumped the coffee and burned my arm by like 5.51 AM Saturday morning. I was like, this is gonna be one of those days. Uh, just like a second ago, I looked and I was like, oh, I left my sermon on the printer. So I better like, while Linda's making this announcement, hopefully she keeps talking, run over there and grab it so that I have something to say this morning. Sometimes, uh, we get stuck. Sometimes what you learn as you mature is that just because a day starts bad doesn't mean it has to keep on going bad. Just because the year starts bad doesn't mean the year has to be bad. Just because my relationship gets into a rut doesn't mean it has to stay in a rut. Just because I got bogged down and frustrated and something bad happened. But so many people in our world today are stuck. So kind of what I want to talk to you a little bit about today. Uh, we started a series of messages last week uh, called Summer Fruit. We are studying in Galatians chapter 5. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. Uh, we started last week with a couple questions that I've been trying to figure out in my heart and in my mind how to answer. One of them is, why are so many people who've spent decades in Bible studies unloving and unkind? That's a question that I'm trying to figure out. Last week, we took witnesses. We got a lot of witnesses, a lot of amens. Uh, that was maybe the thing I've ever said in my life that the most people are like, yeah, you know, it is true. Why is it like that? And then I would... Answer, I had a second question, which is why are so many people stuck? We live in the age of information. So if you want to solve a problem in your life, how do I make my marriage better? How do I get fitter? How do I find a new church, solve a problem? It used to be that you had to like think of a question to Google it. Now, I don't know if you've been, I've been messing around with this AI stuff that's out there. It gives you even better answers. Pretty soon, I feel like it's going to be like it just kind of crosses across your brain. And then here's the answer right in front of you. Yet more information, people are stuck. They're stuck. They're like, I'm the same person I was five years ago. I'm not really that much different than I was. I'm still trying to solve the same problems. This is what got us to Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. I'll read a couple verses for you. It says that, but I say, this is Paul writing, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Let's hone in on that last phrase. To keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So like, I, I want to wake up and open the Bible, but I end up waking up and opening the, my phone and just scrolling. I, I want to take meaningful time to work on the things that I really care about, but so often I get bogged down like 
being frustrated about the past. I, I want to do X, but so often I do Y. Why does it feel so challenging? We talked last week about, come here, Eli, you're in it, buddy. We talked last week about how that often is like a tug of war. This feeling, you and I, yeah, I'm doing a tug of war against the guy on crutches. That was the bit. Yep, come on. That was, yep. That's exactly what I was hoping would happen. Did you ever do it? This is a really long rope. Wow. So did you ever do this when you were a kid? We talked about this last week. Come on, we're going to take this in. This is uh, Eli Shelton. He has led the teen crew here faithfully with his wife, Becca. Come on, Becca, you can come help him in the tug of war, too. I'm making an announcement and doing an illustration. It's happening at the same time. Come on. These guys, uh, uh, Eli got a job uh, back in his hometown of Austin, Texas, and they're moving over the next month. And so they've been amazing servants here, but they're moving to a new season. It's in his hometown, and it's a great thing for their family, and we're going to miss them. And uh, it's all that stuff. And they've built the teen crew over the last year, those teenagers that we have. And I, we should express our appreciation to them. They're wonderful folks. So come on, Becca, you're in two. Well, when I was your youth pastor, you would have been right in there with us. So we all know what this is like if you ever played this game where we're pulling, right? And then if I do that thing where I like, let it go, you hope that she falls right back off the stage. But so many of us are living right here all the time, right? This over here is, I'll be, I'll be the bad one in this, that's probably better. So some people express it in culture like I have the devil on one shoulder and an angel on another shoulder. This idea of why is it so difficult for me to be the person I want to be, to do the things I want to do. That's what we were talking about. You guys are good. Thank you. You can leave it. It's good. That's what... Paul is talking about when he says to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But in Galatians, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, yeah, thank you. That, but the fruit of the Spirit, he says, Galatians 5.22, look, fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against all those things, there is no law. So he, he seems to be saying, you can't just stop doing the things you don't want to do. You have to replace with virtues that are the things that you want to be. That's the way that your behavior shifts. Uh, we, this, we're still just reviewing. The only way to win the tug of war we said last week, the only way you can win that fight is to survive it, growing slowly stronger each day till I meet Jesus face to face. So the bad news is if you're a person who struggles with materialism, jealousy, lust, whatever the thing might be, there's not a day coming in your life where that's just invisible and gone, never to be thought of again. But as you grow in the spirit, it becomes less and less and less and less and less of a temptation than it used to be. This reminded me, and this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to just go through these fruits of the spirit this summer. We're going to start today with love. This is what Jesus says. He says, by this, in John 15, this is Jesus speaking. He says, by this, my father is glorified that you bear much, there's the key word, say it, much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will also abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Love is not just the like first in the list. Love is the orienting of the entire list. That the thing that allows me to grow increasingly unstuck is love. The reason why so many people can put the words of the Bible into their ears 
and it turned them harsh and judgmental instead of humble and kind is because it's lacking in love. This is Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13, which we're going to study a little today. This is why he says, like, you can have, you can be, like, prophesying and baptizing people and doing all kinds of stuff, and you can have all the money in the bank, and you can have perfectly behaving kids, and you can have every single thing in the world that you could possibly want to have. But if you don't have love, you miss the whole thing. You're just, he said, you're like a clanging cymbal and empty sound. Love. Uh, there's four words in the New Testament that are all translated love. I want to make sure we understand what we're talking about. The first one is eros. That's the word where we get the English word erotic. That refers to sexual love. That's not what we're talking about here. Second word is uh, storage. It refers to a, a family love, like between a parent and a child or people that you have affection for. It'd probably be like closer to the word affection. Uh, Philea is the third word for love. That describes like brotherly kindness, deep friendship. But the fourth, the word that Paul uses in Galatians 5, the word that Jesus uses in John 15, the word that is the biblical idea is the word agape. It is a love that loves without changing. It is a self-giving, permanent commitment to the better of another person. This is what is the way to get unstuck. This is one of the most frequent words that Paul uses. He frequently says to show us love. We're going to try to understand it. Uh, I've got a list of things to help us try to understand it that I think will help us in this message. But I read a commentator this week. I love this. He said, trying to describe what love is like is like pulling the petals off a flower and looking at them to try to describe what's beautiful about it. Love is the, well, I got a list. Five things that love isn't. Five things that love is. Uh, this is not a self-help talk. This is not like a generic whatever to make your life better. If we want to get unstuck, we have to grow in love. When we grow in love, we increasingly will find the ability to stand strong in the tug of war. So we're going to use these minutes really well, I hope. One, love is not moral superiority. Love is not moral superiority. I want to show all these to you in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and chapter 13. Love is not, I'm better than you. Right? Love is not condescending. Uh, this is what Paul says. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Oftentimes, people of faith struggle not to express what they say is love through a moral superiority. If I can, I might suggest that we retire this idea that maybe you've heard before. Have you ever heard this, like, uh, hate the sin, love the sinner? Have you heard this idea? I, I want to make a motion. First, the first thing we should retire is we should retire the phrase love on. So that's where we got to start that. People are like, we just need to love on each other. No, people who love on each other go to prison. That's like a weird, it's, it's awkward. I, okay, well, let's do it. All in favor of retiring the phrase, let's just love on each other. All in, all in favor, say aye. aye. Good. If you say it again, you're going to prison uh, on the authority of this church. Okay. Also, let's retire the idea of hate the sin, love the sinner. So it's, I think it's well-intentioned. But the problem is that's such a superior, harsh, unhelpful way to look at another person. So what you're trying to go at when you say, like, you're trying to say, I can care about you even if I can't tolerate the things that you do. Okay, great. 
But the, the problem with that is it has this like high ground, I'm better than you thing attached to it that I don't think you're going to find a lot of evidence for in the Bible. Like, I could go with love everybody around you, hate your own sin. Good. And I can go with, like, we can have, this isn't a church where we're fuzzy on God's laws or God's rules. Jesus says right there, when he says how you are love, he says, when you obey my commandments. Okay, so the truth is, is the key part. But when I start to say that I can love you in a biblical way while hating something that you're doing, I'm distancing myself from you, not pulling close to you. So let me read the verse that I took this from again. Love is patient and kind. Love doesn't envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. I think that we do a lot better in abiding in the love that Jesus wants us to have and growing unstuck when we don't have this moral superiority that I think I'm above or better than you. Second thing, totally different direction. Love is not servanthood without expressed affection. The strong, silent type is not able to show biblical love. Here I brought a few things that are helpful. This is what I mean. Uh, A study published in the Journal of Marriage and Family in 2010 found that higher levels of parental physical affection during childhood are associated with better adjustment and less psychological stress. I got a whole page full of all the places in our world that people have found that only showing you that I love you by the things that I do without expressing it to you verbally and physically does not make the whole mark. And, you know, we're very Midwestern. We, uh, here in Chicagoland, early service, we pride ourselves on we're cool, right? We stay cool. I mean, I've been in a lot of youth sports lately. There we don't stay cool. But in general, uh, it is not love unless it's expressed. And there is something really healthy in relationship to other people in your life to go about the process, not just of serving the people around you, but also expressing your affection. Three, love is not creepy emotionalism. One time, uh, this is kind of flipping it the other way. One time I was at a, a church thing, and there was this like new pastor, and he showed up in a room probably this size full of teenagers. It's like the first time everyone's like, hey, here's the new youth guy. And he walked in, and he was like, he just looked at everyone, and he said, I just want you to know that I deeply love each and every one of you. I was like, dude, that's weird. What do you mean? You've never met any of us. Like, maybe we're not very lovable. There's the, the flip side of expressed emotion is kind of fake, creepy, saccharine. Uh, it isn't just love just because it's emotional, I think is the point. Two more of these, and then I got a whole bunch of stuff on the positive side. Love is also not the absence of restraint or blind support. And it goes with this, that love is not a velvet-wrapped hammer of truth. Neither one of those is exactly love, biblically speaking. 1 Corinthians 13, again, that says that love, Paul says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. So our culture today would tell you that what it means to love the people in your life is to be excited about whatever they do. And whatever they choose, 
and whatever way they roll and however they want to act and whatever they want their life to be filled with and whatever direction they go, the only way to love is to just be like, cool, awesome, great job, great job, you be you, well done, amazing, congratulations, well done, well done, well done. That is not love, biblically speaking. You see it there? Put that verse back on the screen, thank you. Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. So you see, it's a very narrow little place that biblical love sits in. And this is why it's so challenging. Because on the one hand, we do not want the people around us in our life to have this sense of like, we think we're better. We also do not want to walk around with this kind of blank check, whatever you're doing is awesome. Love never is delighted when the wrong thing is happening, but it always is delighted with the good of the truth. It's very tricky to live in that place. Love is not the absence of restraint or blind support. It's also not a velvet-wrapped hammer of truth. I wrote it down this way. This might help. Pretending sin isn't sin isn't biblical love. Ever. Neither is hunting for opportunities to express disapproval. Living right there is very challenging. Uh, so this morning, there's this like baseball tournament across the street, which I always love when this block is alive. And so uh, this guy that I know, uh, one of my boys plays basketball with him, uh, this guy that I know from the community, he came wandering over, and uh, he was with his son, and he was, this is like, I don't know, an hour ago, and he was like, so he looked at, you know, everything we have set up outside for the brunch and everything, he's like, so what is this, some kind of like fundraiser or something? <laughs> he's kind of giving me that like testing look, and I was like, I don't know if this ever happens to you, I was like, right there, you have like one, two, it's going to be awkward, I have to say something, three seconds to say what is the right thing to say? So what I wish I would have said was, like, only if you've got a check in your hand and you're offering. But what I actually said <laughs> was, you know, like, it's, uh, you know, we're church and we've got two services today. And between the services, we like, part of it is the community part and getting to know each other. And it's a beautiful day and this and that and whatever. And then he walked across the street. And I don't know about you. I have all these relationships in my life all the time with people that I'm hoping, like, slowly are finding connection to God or connection to church or another thing. And uh, this guy's told me before that he has never once been in a church of any kind in his whole life, never once. I was like, kind of impressed by that, actually. It seems amazing that like he wouldn't have at some point. But it's very difficult. I don't know about for me. Maybe it's for me, maybe if you feel this way. I love the idea of being a very loving person to all the people that the community and the people that I interact with, you all probably have it even more than me, that the places I work and the people I interact with, it's like, I have the idea, I'm like all the way in. But knowing specifically how to react or what words to say or how to honor God in each specific situation, sometimes I'm like, man, I don't, it feels very challenging. Anyone ever feel that experience? So here's five things that maybe will help on the positive side. Uh, love is a proactive disposition to find ways to contribute. Almost every time Paul talks about love in the New Testament, it is a verb, it is the idea of to show love. So more than a feeling, it is an active choice that I make. So this is the whole concept of everything that we're trying to do with this church that you're sitting in right now, is we are trying to figure out as many ways as we can to be the good news to the community around us. That's what we're trying to do. Not just to say, come one, come all. Here in this building, if you're willing to go in it, we love it. Like right now, if we go outside and have brunch in a few minutes and somebody wanders across the street, 
We don't like check their card to make sure that they're actually part of the church before we feed them. It's love is a proactive disposition to find ways to contribute. It is a simplest way to say it, a verb. Second, love, dear friends, is your highest potential contribution to relationships in your life. Paul says in this passage we're studying, 1 Corinthians 13, he says, if I give away everything I have and I deliver up my body to be burned, but love isn't there, I gain nothing. Now, I got to say, like, there's a lot of people here in the church today that are generous and would consider themselves pretty good people. I don't think anybody in the room today would say I could measure up to what was in that verse. He says, if I give away everything I've got, so if I empty out my bank accounts and give away every possession that I have, if I just like empty my whole self out, and I'm like, you know what? If that means when he says my body to be burned, it means like, yeah, if standing up for Jesus means I lose my life, I'm fine with that. So I'm gonna give everything I have and I'm gonna have my body burned. I don't think anybody in the room would be like, I've done better. I mean, Doug, you're a great guy, but you're not like, I'm better than that. He says, if I did all that stuff, if I checked every box, if I did everything that there is to do, but I didn't have the spirit, the motivation of love underneath it, it was worth nothing. I think that this right here has a, has a radical possible reorienting of the way that we think about our relationships and our life. That the highest thing that you have to give to the people that you care about isn't a bigger paycheck. It isn't more fun places to go or better vacations or, uh, I don't know, a nicer car or a more filled college fund. That the very best thing that you have to give to the people that matter most to you is the experience of your love more than anything else. Uh, three, love is, and we're getting closer to the end now, love is the practice of selflessness. This is the one that always sticks out to me in 1 Corinthians 13. He says in verse five, love does not insist on its own way. Love does not insist on its own way. It is the practice of selflessness. This comes up in big things and it comes up in small things that, remember, why are we talking about this? Because we want to try to win the tug of war and we often get stuck. Love doesn't insist on its own way. Uh, Do you ever get around that person who like you can't get them to say where they want to go to eat? Do you ever get around that person or is anyone in here married to that person? Where you go, do you want to go there? No. Okay, cool. Where do you want to go? I don't know. Do you want to go there? No. Anybody, anybody honest enough to say that they, they got that person? A few of them? Yeah, yeah we got a few of that. Okay, cool. I don't think that's exactly what we're talking about. That's, I don't think we're talking about like not being willing to give an idea about stuff we don't care about. We all have little things in life that we really care about a lot, right? Rituals, habits, behaviors, ways that we want to live our life, things that we want to go a certain way. When I am abiding in Christ and God's love is overflowing in me, I find it possible to give up having my own way. Not on dumb stuff I don't care about that much, but on things that really matter. I was, uh, how can I say this delicately? I was in a uh, sort of like a marital counseling session this week with somebody trying to be of help and of service. And... Uh, when it got down to the end, there was another person there kind of helping. 
this other person said to the couple, I thought this was so powerful, they said, until you're willing to give in on some of the things you say you're not willing to give in on, this marriage isn't going to get better. And I was like, I think I like left. I like wrote down a list and called Kristen on the phone. I was like, okay, I'm thinking I could do this and I could do this and I could do this and I can do this. Often we are willing to be very kind. That's a different thing than love while still insisting on our own way. Two more things. Uh, Love, this is, I think, helpful. Love is willingly positive in a way that sometimes appears naive. Love looks at things in a positive way, even if others might be like, well, I don't know. That's what it means in chapter 13, 1 Corinthians and verse 7, when he says that love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Being willing to look stupid for believing in somebody is part of love. Okay, so you guys might know this, you might not. Uh, because the church here is kind of close to the train station down the street, we get a fair volume of uh, homeless people or people that are struggling that come knocking on the door and ask for help. Okay, cool. So the way that we've uh, chosen as a church to react to that is nobody who knocks on our door goes away empty-handed. We always try to give them something to help them along the way. Your generous giving allows us to do that. And some people have that mindset of like, that doesn't mean that we do whatever they want or we give them whatever they want, but we always give them something to try to help them along. But you gotta be careful with that because then like the word gets out and then the volume really goes on. But we try to always give them something. That's what we believe in. We do always give them something. But some people have that kind of like, well, I mean, shouldn't you find out like why they're homeless in the first place? Or how do you know they're not just gonna go spend it all on, how do you, how do you know they're not gonna go trade that photos, hot dogs, gift card for drugs, or how do you like, I don't even know if you could do that. They, they, <laughs> but there's this, um, like, there's this like easy cynicism thing that is true, probably, in many cases, but is reflective of the wrong mindset. When Paul says that love believes all things and hopes all things and endures all things and bears all things, he's saying that sometimes when a person tells you this is what I'm going to do to make it better. You can choose to believe them even if logic would tell you they're probably going to blow it again. If you've ever been, had an addict in your life, you've learned this. This is the struggle, is that when they tell you that they want to get better, they mean it, and they may fall right back into the same thing again. And there is something honoring, think about it, to God in absorbing all of that difficulty. That is a huge part of love. It's part of how we get unstuck. Because when we bear all things with others, it only can come when we have a clearer sense that God has borne with a lot with us. Five, love is a permanent commitment to the flourishing of others. That's what Paul means in 1 Corinthians 13, 8, when he says that love never ends. Uh, C.S. Lewis said this, I thought this was very helpful. To love at all is to be vulnerable. If you love anything, your heart will be wrung and possibly broken, and if you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you can't give it to anyone, not even an animal. That was helpful. I prayed for a lot of your pets through those prayer requests in your binders, so I know how powerful those prayers and feelings can be. I love that. Love is a permanent commitment to the flourishing of others. It's a verb, it's a, a sense of movement. 
it's something that we've all heard about a million times and it can be hard to wrap my mind around. It can start to feel like blah, whatever, and now I'm done. That was a whole bunch of things. So I wanna to try to draw the line again of why this is important. And I will be done in a few minutes. So a lot of us are in various ways, that's what we're working on this summer, trying to figure out how to get unstuck. So I've got a pattern of thinking that leads me to anxiety and I don't wanna have that pattern of thinking anymore. I'm struggling with unforgiveness in a way that's like making me angry and I can see that it's really starting to mess up my life. I, I'm consumed with thoughts of how much I wish I had what other people have and I can see it's really starting to damage me, whatever. And I wanna get unstuck. And what we often think is that the way to get unstuck is to go right at the problem. So the way that I'm gonna forgive that person is I'm gonna think about them all the time and eventually I'm gonna write them a letter or, or set up a meeting or I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my friends to help me and I'm gonna to pray to God, please help me. And what we talked about last week and what Paul says is the way that you get unstuck, the way that you get away from doing the things that you don't want to do. Why do I want to, like, I don't want to go over here, but I end up over here. I want to go this way, but I can't get over there. Why, why, why? It's because as long as I'm focused on the thing, for whatever reason, not much happens. But when I, what he says here, walk in the spirit day by day, day by day, day by day, and I grow in the virtues that we're talking about here. Today we talked about love. Amazingly enough, as I work on this stuff, all of a sudden I find that it's better. Over here it's better. Over here it's It's like that weird thing that maybe you've figured this out sometime, somehow in your life. It's that same way that our bodies are made. That somehow like eating better makes my mind think clearer and getting my body a little more active like helps my emotions. That more than we realize, it's all interconnected. All of, every part of us is connected. And so if I want to get unstuck, it may not seem obvious to the problem that you're facing, but growing in love in my life day by day helps me grow more in the thing that I'm trying to get unstuck from. We want to do uh, our best this summer to try to, I'm closing now, you guys can come, we're ready to sing in just a minute. Uh, we're, we got something we, I'm excited about. Um, we got a little daily Bible reading thing that we're going to do. These were in your binder, you can grab one. They're also in the lobby, you can grab one on your way out. Uh, we picked a verse that goes with uh, the fruit that we're talking about each week. And I made a little video trying to help us along with the verse. They're going to go like on Instagram and on, in our Facebook group and in a few places like that every single day. And uh, we talked about this before. But if the only way that you get any like filling spiritually is when you're here, that's not enough power to make it through the week. And there's lots of people in this church that have built that habit and they're in the Bible like every day, every day, every day, every day. And there's a lot of people who've been like meaning to get that figured out for a long time and are still struggling with it. Amen to you too, sister. No judgment in Jesus' name. And so uh, I would love for you to jump on the train and follow along with us. There's a chapter in the book of Psalms to read and a verse to do a little bit of meditation on. And uh, you don't think so, maybe. This is going to help you get unstuck. So, uh, we're going to finish with this. Uh, I feel like I've been saying that for a while, but I mean it this time. The, uh, each one of the fruits of the Spirit goes with a fruit, and uh, love goes with the strawberry. I love a strawberry. Anybody? Can I get a witness? I love a strawberry. 
The thing about the strawberries that I love the best is uh, you can't totally tell the look at them if it's going to be one of the sweet ones or one of the sour ones. You may think you can. Maybe you think you can. But... That was one of the sweet ones. <laughs> but part of the reason we struggle sometimes to go all the way in love and relationship is because if you've been hurt by metaphorically biting into one of the sour ones, you tell yourself, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to get hurt like that again. I was in a church and I got to know all the people and like, man, it, it, when it blew up, man, it really hurt. I was in that relationship and I, I, you know what, I'll just, I'll just be by myself. I'm not going to ever open myself up to anyone again. And I want to just invite you back to love again. Love of God, which overflows to the love of people, which is the single best way to get unstuck. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me pray to get, and then they're going to sing. Thank you, Lord, that you're with us today. And I'm grateful for your kindness and your goodness to us. And I know a lot of what we've talked about today is probably common to many of us in our minds. But I want to pray that you would bring your conviction and help us to abide deeply in you this summer. Please, Lord, help us. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen. This has been the Good News Neighborhood Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed the song. I hope it's been helpful to you. We'll see you again soon. This is Good News.